And happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Thank you. Um, do you know, it's the perfect opportunity to buy yourself a Thanksgiving gift, which is available in the foyer after the service. Um, I know many of you have this. Because of everything that happened with the pandemic and the lockdown, I wrote this book a year ago. I was going to teach on it in the spring, and I didn't do it. And um, we, did, we did do some teaching on it more in depth at the academy a year ago, over a year ago, actually, just before the book came out. And, uh, but we never got an opportunity to do it here. So we're going to, today we're going to begin a six-part series. We're going to do three parts, then take a week off for Vision Sunday, which is going to be freaking epic, by the way, okay? So be here for Vision Sunday, which is called Beyond 2020. And we're going to find out what good things God's got in store for us. And uh, anyway, we'll take a week off for that, and then we'll come back and we'll do the final three weeks. If you want to get the book, it's on special offer. There's 33 and a third percent off today. It's 10 bucks in the foyer. And if you're a real cheapskate, it's 350 on Kindle if you want to do it that way. And so basically, we're going to be teaching through this book, which is called The Secrets. In fact, the word that isn't in it. It's just secrets of spiritual growth. Because one of the things that I have realized by observing Christians over decades is this, that very often we misunderstand the process of spiritual growth. And by misunderstanding the process of spiritual growth, we can either harm and impede our own spiritual growth, or we can do that for other people as well. And today, what we're going to realize as we go through this whole series is we're going to realize two things that the Bible says about spiritual growth. The first thing that the Bible says about spiritual growth is that it likens growing spiritually to growing physically. It uses physical growth as an analogy of our spiritual growth. And just like there are different stages of physical growth, somebody just a few minutes ago carried their little baby out because their baby was fussing and crying. That's normal. Now, if somebody had to carry their husband out because their husband was fussing and crying, there is something has impeded their husband's development and growth, okay? And so we can see, we accept, we know that we expect one kind of thing from a baby, another kind of thing from a little child, we don't know what to expect from a teenager, then, you know, there's different things that you expect at different phases in life. And yet, when it comes to the topic of spiritual growth, we very often think that's supposed to happen instantly, magically, miraculously, without any time whatsoever. And that is not how it happens. The Bible likens spiritual growth to physical growth. That's the first thing. And the second thing is 
The Bible says that spiritual growth is not a destination that you arrive at, but an ongoing journey of discovery. So sometimes we think that spiritual growth, God will just go shazam, and all of a sudden you are spiritually mature. Or that there is there's something you need to do, like memorize the Bible or whatever it may be, go to an alpha course or something. There's something you need to do, and at the end of it, you will have stepped over the line from being spiritually immature to now being spiritually mature. And both of those things are myths. Spiritual growth takes time. It is a journey. The important thing to know is where you are currently on your journey and what the next step you need to take is. That's all you need to know. Just like as you're growing physically, you do the things that are appropriate then. And I think that very often Christians and churches are unhelpful towards people. We often feed people the wrong spiritual diet. Now, Years ago, it must have been about 15 years ago, when I still lived in the UK, I remember one night, uh, Christine and I were sitting watching the news, and this news item came on about this young couple. They were, they were teenagers, they looked about 17 years old, I don't know their exact age, and they had just been charged because of the death of their baby. And as the story unfolded, it, it, it was quite clear that this young couple were not educated, came from a poor and financially underprivileged area. I kind of suspected they also had learning difficulties, and they didn't have people around them to help them, and they had this baby. And this baby was feeding off milk, obviously, but the baby kept crying, was crying all the time. And they thought that the baby was crying because it was hungry. And so they decided that the baby needed more than milk. So they made a traditional British dish, mincing potatoes, ground beef, okay, and mashed potatoes, and they fed it to the baby, and the baby died of salt poisoning. Because that baby's system, as much as that food would have provided all of the nutritional requirements for the parents, the same food was poisonous was toxic to the young baby. I actually, when I was working on this book over a year ago, I, I did a little bit of research online about salt poisoning and why children can't digest salt. And I discovered that there are parents who have deliberately killed their children by feeding them salt, or parents who have made their children sick in order to get attention by deliberately feeding them salt. And you think that is like really disturbing that a parent would deliberately and intentionally feed their child something poisonous. But what's even more tragic is that this young couple were not intentionally feeding their child something poisonous. They honestly believed they were helping their child when they were actually harming their child. Now, is it possible that sometimes 
when people come to faith in Christ and they are little spiritual babies that we might think that we are helping them when we're actually harming them? It's important to realize that if spiritual growth mirrors physical growth, and in physical growth you require a different diet at different stages of your growth, wouldn't it be true that spiritually you require a different diet at different stages of your growth? Here was this little baby being fed food that was designed for someone much older than them. Now, just about a year and a half ago, there was another story, a similar story. This time it came from Florida. And there a couple, they were not as young, it was not the same situation, but this couple had also been charged. Actually, it said in the news they had been charged with murder, although I presume it was probably manslaughter because murder is like intentional. But they had killed their child, they claimed accidentally. And what was the situation that had happened there? The parents were strong believers in a vegan raw food diet. So they insisted that their little tot was also going to be on a vegan raw food diet. And the child was eating. The child was eating all the time. And no matter how much the child was eating, the child was dying of malnutrition at the same time. So, here's two scenarios. You can feed a little child something that might be okay for you to consume, but is toxic for that child. Also, you could be feeding a little child lots and lots and lots of actual organic material, but it's not producing enough nutritional value to cause the child's little organs and body to grow and develop. And as I thought about those two situations, I thought, you know, I can see how that can happen with spiritual growth. I, I've been to churches and know of churches, I'm sure you do as well, where, and I've got friends who are Christians, and they may have been Christians for decades, and yet they never seem to have grown. Everything is like it's still a, a kind of baby stage, and um, there's no growth, there's no feeding, there's no development, and so on. You know, there's, there's uh, amongst pastors, there's always this little debate amongst pastors. If somebody leaves somebody's church and goes to somebody else's church, and by the way, that happens all the time. I'm sure half the people in this room came from some other church someplace else. And there's people who used to come to this church that I've heard are going to some other church someplace else. Do you want to know something? There is only one church, the church of Jesus Christ. I don't care what room you go to. I care that we're all going to heaven and we've got God as our Father. And if God wants to move people about churches, that's okay with me. But sometimes pastors get upset about it particularly if the people are leaving their church and going to somebody else's church, and they will say things like, that church down the road, they are sheep stealers. They stole our sheep. And then you go and ask the other pastor, and he says, I'm just growing green grass. If hungry sheep want to come and eat it, they're welcome to come and eat it. Why is it that some, some sheep 
can be hungry, even though they come to church and munch on the grass week after week after week, because it is not providing their spiritual nutritional needs that will enable them to grow, to grow strong in faith, to grow into a deeper relationship with God, to grow out of the negative things in their life and into the positive things of God's kingdom. It's kind of like they got born and they've been in an incubator on IV drip ever since and have never actually learned to grow because of a lack of proper feeding. And then I know of other Christians and other churches that it's like you, 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 you become a Christian and you're a little baby in Christ, and before you know it, the people are thinking they have to force feed you with every bizarre and extreme interpretation of the Bible out there, you know? And, and, and before you know it, your head's all crammed full of all of this anxiety-producing ideas that many Christians have. Well, it, it might not produce anxiety in them, just like an adult eating salty food might not die of salt poisoning because it's appropriate for them because they can digest it because they are able to, to uh, assimilate it. And you know, there's some, you know, it's like you don't say to somebody, put your faith in Jesus Christ and he will forgive you of your sins, and God will be your father, and heaven will be your home. And they say, great. Oh, and they do it. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm safe now. What do I do? Read the book of Revelation next. <laughs> There's a lot of salt in there for you to choke on, you know. We don't do that. We say to them, read the gospel of John. Get to know Jesus, you know? And so, there are different diets at different times, and it is really important for us to know whether spiritually we're a little baby or whether spiritually we're coming into the youth level of, of spiritual growth. We'll learn all about this in another lesson. Or whether we've actually matured spiritually and we're able to now uh, handle ideas and concepts that might not have been appropriate or helpful at some other stage in our life. This is one of the main reasons that we recently did that series called Simply. Simply Jesus, simply grace, simply prayer. Make sure that you have digested the simple food first. Let's have a look at what Jesus said in John's gospel. And here we're going to see here that he talks about our spiritual journey beginning like a little baby being born. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I've heard people, you know, most, lots of people know this verse out of context, and I've heard people quoting it, and different people, I've heard somebody saying, oh, Jesus must have believed in reincarnation because he said you had to get born again, and then maybe again and again, and I don't know how many agains, but he said that, that must be what he's talking about. And I once heard somebody else saying, oh no, this is talking about when Jesus returns and the resurrection happens and people come out of their graves, they've been born again. Well, all we have to do is read the passage. So let's read the passage and see what being born again means. Let's go on to the next one. It says this, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee, 
One dark evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And let's see how Jesus explained it. Jesus replied, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Two births, a human birth and a divine birth, a physical birth and a spiritual birth. He says it in the next verse. Humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. The first birth, you know, the first time you were born, if you're here in the room, you have been born at some point. And the first time you were born, you were born of water. You were in your mother's womb in a little sack of amniotic fluid. And at some point, probably when she was at the checkout at Safeway, your mother's waters broke at the most inconvenient time. And as soon as the waters broke, the mother knew the baby is about to be born, okay? And the baby comes out. The baby who has been living in this bubble of water now comes out into the world and is born as a physical flesh and blood human being. That's the first birth, the birth that humans can produce. But Jesus said, not only are you born of water, everybody is born physically, but you have to be born of the Spirit. We also need the Holy Spirit, God's presence to come upon us and to give us life. And we are reborn spiritually, not physically, but on the inside. We are re- Do you know something? You could have been physically born 60 years ago, but only spiritually born six minutes ago. And so, you've gone through this life as a human that's been born once, and then you believe in Christ, and spiritually, you are reborn. You are born spiritually. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. And then he goes on and explains how you're born again. He says, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. You never, you know, you know, like, Two people could come down the front and they could pray a prayer to put their faith in Christ, but only God sees what's going on in their hearts and which one really meant it and which one didn't and so on. You can't see what's happening. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world. By believing in Jesus, who was sent by the Father to save us, we are spiritually reborn. And Jesus called that being born again. And that means whatever age you are physically, the moment you gave your life to Christ, spiritually, you are a newborn baby. 
You're a newborn baby, what the Bible calls a babe in Christ. I've always thought that would be a great name for a women's ministry, babes in Christ. Anyway, I just think that every time I read that. So, but you're a babe in Christ. You're a newborn baby spiritually. Listen, intellectually, you might be a genius. You might be a rocket scientist. But spiritually, you know nothing. You don't know the Father yet. You haven't developed a mature walk of faith in Christ. You haven't wrestled with Scripture and have it change the way you think and the way you live. You've just started out. You're a newborn baby. And here's what the Apostle Peter said about being born again as a newborn baby. He says, for you have been born again, not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living God. And then he says this, so as newborn babies you must crave all the salty food and the book of Revelation and YouTube conspiracy theory videos and all the... Uh, is that what it says? You must crave what? Pure spiritual milk. The simple stuff. The easy to digest stuff. The simply series of messages, okay? Pure spiritual milk. What will happen if a newborn baby consumes pure spiritual milk? The simple gospel, the simple message. They learn about Jesus, about who Jesus is, about what Jesus did for them, about what he's doing in their life today, about how God is their father, about how he loves them, about how they're safe in his hands. When they learn that stuff, the pure spiritual milk, what does it do to them? It makes them grow. It doesn't poison them with, with, with food that they can't digest. It doesn't malnourish them with not enough information about who their father is. It is just the right food at just the right time, and it will make them grow. Grow what? into a full experience of their salvation. If you've put your faith in Christ, you are born again, and you are now saved. But whether you actually live in a full experience of that salvation is dependent on whether you grow or not. And whether or not you grow is dependent on you feeding on the right foodstuffs. Listen, you might have been a Christian for 20 years, but you realize that spiritually speaking, your, your growth has been stunted. And you're thinking, I need to grow. I need to like buy a book on theology and go to Bible school and pray for an hour a day. Don't start on the milk. Just start drinking the milk right now of the Word. And wherever you are, wherever you've got stuck, start there and feed yourself on what you need there. And you will grow into a full experience of your salvation. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians. He said this. This is to a church, to the church at Galatia. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. 
They will continue until Christ is fully developed in your life. Do you see how they start off as babies, as little children? But that the plan is that we would gradually, step by step, grow spiritually. And that, we, that Christ would eventually become fully developed in our life. Again, the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians says this. Now, you know, a lot of these verses I've been talking about God is our Father and we are His children. But now Paul's talking about Christian leaders and pastors and elders and people like that and how they too need to make sure that, the, that people are nourished and fed like, like a parent with their little children. Look, he said, Paul says, we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. Uh, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you and encouraged you. So this tells me that spiritual leaders, they're, it's not just Christians that are supposed to be aware. There are different stages of spiritual growth. And I need to know what stage I'm at. But most importantly, I need to start my journey well. I need to realize that when I put my faith in Christ, I'm just a little baby. And I need to just be fed spiritual milk. I need to be fed the goodness of the Lord. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who puts his trust in him. You need to begin to taste and see that the Lord is good. And spiritual leaders need to be. And, this, and, and when it comes to Sunday services, this is the most difficult thing. You can design other things. You can design an alpha course for a particular group of people or a theology course for a different other group of people. But on a Sunday here, we have people in this room who have not yet put their faith in Jesus Christ, are not yet Christians. We've got people in this room who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, like three weeks ago or something like that. Um, we've got people who put their faith in Jesus Christ a while back, but for some reason still doubt their salvation. We've got people in this, in this room who are growing strong in their faith and are really running ahead. We've got people in, in this room who have walked with the Lord for decades and have a deep and mature walk with Him. And in one message, we've got to try and speak to all of these different groups of people. But spiritual leaders have to be aware that everybody's here. Everything that we say on the platform on a Sunday is not for you. Three bits of it might have been for you, and somebody might, some bit might have been for her, and him up the back needed to hear that sentence. It's like a banquet table, and you need to just feed on the foods that are feeding your souls. If me or anyone else up here ever says something that's so obscure or deep or concerning to you that you don't get it, just put it on the shelf and feed on the things that God is taking and applying to your own heart right now. Because we want to see our spiritual children grow. Now, today we had some child dedications up here on the platform. 
two families brought their children up, and uh, Spencer led us in a prayer, and well, well, you know, usually we anoint them with oil and all that, but there's regulations just now that the, the regulations where we're supposed to do it with a Q-tip. So we're not doing it with a Q-tip. The parents can do it while we pray. How about that, right? So, um, the, the regulations were use a Q-tip and stand as far away from the baby as possible. <laughs> can you imagine the photographs? Up? <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> so, those little babies, what did we do? We dedicated those babies to God. And what did Spencer pray? He, he said that those children, they not only have their own family, they not only have God as their father, but they're part of our church family, that we're all a family, that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ together. And what, were we, what are we doing? Like, are we saying, right, we've prayed over the babies, they've been blessed, they've been dedicated to God, just open the fire exit and kick them out, they're on their own now, God will look after them. No, Child Protective Services will be at your front door. <laughs> and um, I've always thought it's amazing, like I did, you know, you need a license to have a dog here. I didn't know that when we first came. We don't do that in the UK. One of the neighbors reported me to the cops. I didn't have a license, so I had to get a license. And I thought, I've got to buy a license to own a dog. But people are popping out babies all over the place without a license. I mean, like, that is much more important than bringing up a puppy. And we would think anybody who mistreated their puppy was a bad person. We would think anyone who neglected a puppy was a bad person. And, and of, but yeah, people can have babies. And you want to know something? Churches can have spiritual babies and then abandon them and neglect them or feed them the wrong food. I want you to imagine the psychological effect on little children if you sat them down every night and you told them everything bad that was in the world just to prepare them and warn them. In fact, yesterday I saw a video of a school teacher. It wasn't here. It was someplace else where the, the COVID restrictions are really, really strict and, and, and the government are being really scary about it and all that. And this school teacher said, I actually think my school is abusing our children. Because he said, I come into the class, he said, all day long, every day long, over the, over the loudspeakers are all, be careful about this, be careful about that, be careful about, and he says, I go into the class, and my little kids are sitting there terrified with eyes like saucers and masks on, but eyes, big eyes, because they think if they do anything, you know, and he's like, I know there's precautions, but isn't it up to us, the adults, to protect the children rather than piling all this fear onto children? Now, you imagine if you did that with children, little children. Oh, there's drug dealers, and, and there's human traffickers, and, and there's, there's traffic in the roads, and, and there's this, and there's Now, you have to tell your kids that sometime, but I want you to imagine that the moment they learned to understand what you were saying, you told them everything that was... Imagine the psychological effect. Now, people might say, well, it's true. Those things are true. Just because something's true, aren't you as their parents supposed to protect them from that? And sometimes when people become 
Christians, when they put their faith in Christ, instead of being told all this good news, they're told all this scary news. You know, the mark, watch out for the mark of the beast and the antichrist and there's demons. Let's get demons. You, what, you went to hot yoga? You probably got demons. And, uh, and God's mad at you. Oh, and watch. And it's not just demons and it's not just, it's not just uh, bad things out there in the world, even in the church. Don't listen to that preacher or that preacher or the next preacher. You know, there's some documentary went around about a year or two ago. I think it was on Netflix or something, Christian documentary. Some people said to me, oh, you should watch this documentary. Tell me what you think of it. I started to watch it. Do you know what it was? A bunch of preachers criticizing another bunch of preachers and telling everybody, don't listen to that bunch of preachers. They're bad. Listen to us. We are good. Fear, virus, infection, false doctrine, devils, demons, hot yoga. You just don't know what's out there. I mean, it could be bad. And here's this person accepted Jesus as their Savior, and instead of bubbling over with joy and peace, is going about scared that something bad might happen to them. That's feeding babies with salt. You are poisoning their faith. A baby needs to know one thing and one thing only, that their Father in heaven loves them with an unconditional love, will provide for them, will protect them, will be with them, was able to save them, is able to keep them, and will be able to bring them into glory. You couldn't save yourself, so don't get into anxiety about how you're going to keep yourself saved. Only God could save you. Only God can keep you saved. If it wasn't for the fact that God loved you unconditionally, every one of us would wander away. If we were left to our own devices, we would all become the prodigal son and end up in a pig pen. Like the old hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the Lord I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. If I was left to my own devices, I would never have been saved. I can't save myself. And even after I was saved, if I was left to my own devices, I would wander away from God. But thankfully, the Father who loved me enough to save me, to give birth to me, loves me enough to keep me, to protect me, to look after me, and I am safe in the Father's arms, and you are safe in the Father's arms. Put this thing up, the next slide up, please. God is a much better parent than any one of us could ever be, and God promises to never leave us or forsake us. This is the milk. This is what will strengthen you spiritually. If you know God will never leave you, He will never forsake Yeah, but you don't know what I did last night. I blew it and had a road rage and made a hand signal that I shouldn't have made, and then I realized it was someone in the church that I did it to, and like, I, I didn't even want to cut. That's why I'm sitting at home watching online in case they're here today. And God will never... God might even have had a laugh at that yesterday. Okay, there's my kids fussing and fighting with each other. 
He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be an ever-present help in time of trouble. Think of the, the, think, think of the, the Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd. When you go through a dark time, He will lead you through that dark valley, and He will bring you to a banquet table. If you're going through a tough time right now, God hasn't abandoned you. He will never abandon you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is walking right beside you. It's like that old poem about footprints in the sand, you know, that, uh, there's only one set of footprints, I was carrying you. And then there's a joke one that comes out, what's that long ditch there? Well, that was when I was dragging you against your will. And, and sometimes God drags us against our will, but through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Twas grace that brought me safe this far and grace will lead me home. You, everybody shout this, I am safe in the Father's arms. He promises to be a father to the fatherless. Let's look at this last verse before we pray. And it says this, it's Matthew 7 and verse 11. And Jesus said, so if you sinful people, we are sinful, we are selfish, we get tired and hungry and hangry and irritable with our kids and all of that, and yet if we who are like that know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? Church, God is good. He is on your side. He is for you and not against you. He loves you with an un conditional love. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Every time you mess up, He will dust you down, put you back on your feet, take you by the hands, and He will lead you safely home. If you have put your faith in Christ, your eternal salvation is sure. The devil can't mess it up. Other people can't mess it up. Even you can't mess it up. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And when God gave birth to you spiritually, He intended for the day to come when He will welcome you home and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Come on, let's stand. Let's stand together. If you are unsure at all, about whether or not you have fully put your faith in Christ. Or, if you know you're a Christian, but you do battle thoughts, you doubt your salvation and things like that, we're gonna say a prayer together. And today, before we go further in this series, we're going to make sure we all begin our journey aright, okay? Let's put the prayer up on the screen. Come on, let's lift up our hands to heaven. Let's open our hearts to God. Let's open our mouths and pray this out loud. Come on, church. One, two, three. Father God, I ask you today to create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. 
I believe that through Jesus' death and resurrection, I have forgiveness of sins, hope for the future, eternal salvation, and a brand new life. May I grow in faith, love, and spiritual power. I receive it now 